0: Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redseeradio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host Gene Wilhelm, and today is Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. And I've got a studio full of people with me and somebody on the phone. I've got both Dennis Maka and Thaddeus Romansky on the phone and Stephanie in Waco. So good morning, everybody.: Good,
1: good morning, morning. Gene.
0: How? Wow. How is everyone? I mean, did you did anybody get flooded out last night with all the rain we had here at Bryan College Station? No, but the creek was to the top of the banks at one it, point. It actually came over the banks where we live. Really? Yes, but it didn't get up over the bridge <sighs> this time.
1: How about y'all, Stephanie? Y'all stay safe and dry up there?
2: Yeah, we did. We had a lot of storms, but we, we stayed safe. We stayed pretty dry, no flooding of any sort. So there were no issues, thanks be to God.
0: Well, Stephanie, I understand that somebody contacted you to tell us a little bit about what's going on with Red Sea Radio in the Waco area.
2: Yes, they did. And so I will tell you, um, we've got a lot of fall festivals or a couple of fall festivals coming up. It's fall festival season, of course. Um, On Saturday, I will be at St. Philip in China Springs, and I will be uh, not broadcasting live, but I'll have Red Sea bumper magnets there, and business cards so you can come and see me and learn more about what the station is about. And uh, that's from 11 to 3 at St. Philip in China Spring. Just put in your GPS, and it'll take you right there to the uh, church. They're having Oktoberfest, so it's a good German meal and, and a lot of kids' games and raffle and anything else you can think of at a fall festival. So I will be there for that.
0: Wow. That and, sounds good. You, are there other, yeah. uh, other places you're going besides that, Stephanie?
2: Well, I won't be able to go to this one next weekend, but um, you've probably heard about it on the air. It's uh, St. Louis Fall Festival from 12 until 3. St. Louis, Riker, and the uh, St. Louis Parish are putting it on in Waco over at the Activity Center at St. Louis, and they're going to have a trunk or treat for the kids uh, for Halloween, and uh, they're going to have games and Another raffle and a barbecue meal. So it's just, it is high time for fall festivals here in Waco. And uh, they love, we love, we love that. We get such a high from that and going out and getting testimonies. And that's what I'm going to plan to do this Saturday at St. Phillips. I'm taking my microphone with me and we're going to hopefully get some good testimonies and just really um, have people tell the impact of, Red Sea that it's having on them because we know the Holy Spirit is really moving here.
1: Man, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I was talking to Stephanie and others. Uh, We had a caller from Waco this morning to the Patrick Madrid show. Kay, if you're listening, we love you. Thank you so much for all you've done for so many of our listeners, including me. Her testimony was beautiful and I can't wait to hear it again on their podcast podcast. a Baptist listener who is very drawn to the truth, and that's what she said she's really looking to do. And so, we are so excited about her testimony and calling in. And, um, wow, Red Sea has made a, such a difference in so many people's lives, and we just thank God for it that really opportunity. Has. Yeah, it really
2: has. Every time, I every time someone sees me and they know me. Uh, they say, you know, I just I'm hooked on Red Sea. I can't stop listening to it. I have to stay in the car, and when I get home, and listen to the rest of Catholic Answers because I don't I want to I don't want to miss the answer to the question. I have yeah. driveway movements. So, you know, it's it's just really really impacting a lot of people down here.
1: We hear that same pattern over a lot of different people's uh, lives. And just yesterday, or well, actually this past weekend. Thaddeus and I were at another festival, just like you were doing up there, Stephanie. We were at the Holy Rosary Festival here in Friendstadt. and we ran into a gentleman that said someone just started uh, introducing him to Red Sea Catholic Radio, and he's been listening for about three weeks and just was hooked. And and he said, that's all I listen to, and I've learned so much already. R- so. Richard. Richard was his name. Thank I you, Richard. Thank yeah, you, Richard, for for your testimony to us in person. So, we're excited about the opportunity to to bring the gospel through Red Sea Catholic Radio to so many people. And um, one way that we are looking to continue to spread the gospel is to ask people to be Catholic heroes. And it to to be Catholic these days, and a solid Catholic, you know, you're a hero. And there's a lot going on in our church. Now more than ever is Red Sea Catholic Radio needed to cut through all the scandals and all the the problems with people that are in the church, right, Gene?
0: I'm right. And 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 my my point of view is that it's it's one thing to pay, pray for all of those who have suffered the abuse. It is another thing that most of us are forgetting about to pray for the conversion of those who have perpetrated the abuse. And for those who are trying to deal with the situation,
1: right, and not a just
2: conversion of hearts. Yes.
1: yes, and 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 it's not just abuse that we're noticing infidelity to vows, and so yes. those that are not necessarily perpetrating on youth, but you know, are not yeah. living true to their vows. Yes. They're, they're living immoral lifestyles, and that needs to change. And we, as a Catholic faithful, need to first look at ourselves, look at our own families, but then also help and pray for those, and reform those that need to change their lives. And so we need to encourage our our diocese and our bishops to do that as well. So, and pray Red, for them, exactly.
0: that they have the courage to do that.
1: Yeah. And so now more than ever, Red Sea Catholic Radio is needed, and we have a benefit dinner coming up where we'd like to invite people to come out on November 1st here in the Brazos Valley for the KEDC listenership. It's our annual benefit dinner coming up on November 1st at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Parish. We encourage people to go to, to their parish for Mass, or if they want to go that day at St. Thomas Aquinas at 6 p.m. Mass. We're delaying our opening of the doors until 7, and then the uh, actual ceremonies and everything starts at 7.30. So we want people to go to our website at redseeradio.org and click on the Saints banner for our benefit dinner, and come out and listen to Tom Peterson, who is going to talk about becoming an everyday Catholic hero, and and what better day to do that than on All Saints Day. True. So we're excited about all the things that are happening, and uh, Red Sea Catholic Radio is making a difference keep a special intention in prayer uh, as I go to an important lunch meeting today to talk about potential uh, for God to lead us in other directions for uh, new markets for Red Sea Catholic Radio. So all our listeners, please just keep me and the Holy Spirit uh, that we might uh, work together, and I don't get in the way, as I sometimes often do, and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to move where He would move Red Sea Catholic Radio Gene, and uh, in the second half of the broadcast,
0: I will it will be a pre-recorded interview with uh, John Smith, who's the development director at Saint Peter's Catholic Center, adjacent to Baylor yeah. University. And I would ask my our listeners if you have somebody you'd like me to interview that I don't know about, email me at, and the email address would be Gene. At Gene at redseeradio.org Gene at org. How much more time we got, Thaddeus?
1: G-E-N-E. Yes. G-E-N-E. Mm-hmm. We are just drawn to a close. How about the... Uh movie event. Yeah, we have a Gosnell premiere that's going on. Uh, Free tickets are available through 40 Days for Life locally here in the Bryan College Station area and maybe in the Waco area. I'm not certain what they're doing there, but a premiere this Friday. We had
3: a preview like a week
1: ago. Oh, y'all had a preview. So this is a full movie Mm -hmm. premiere. Uh, Sean Carney from 40 Days for Life will be there. So if you email media at 40daysforlife.com, and tell them how many people you want to come and their names. You can get free tickets uh, for 4 p.m. or actually a 4:50 p.m. show tomorrow. No, 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 Friday, Friday, Friday here in Bryan. So, uh, media at four zero daysforlifecom and that's something that we can promote because someone bought those tickets and they're going to be free for you. That if you any of that anyone that wants to attend from wherever you are.
0: One thing, uh, if we've got just a couple of seconds, uh, I would like to mention this week's gospel uh, that we will be uh, hearing on the weekend is about the rich young man and how he went away sad because he had many—he uh, was very wealthy. And it's too often we look at that gospel and say, well, I'm not rich, so that doesn't apply to me. And if we really look at the gospel in a fuller sense, we'll see that what Jesus is, is uh, trying to combat there is anything— in our lives, that we hold so closely that we're unable to follow Jesus in his call to our lives. And what else we got, uh, Thaddeus? That's a great thing to go out on, Gene. Thank Amen. you. And thank you so much. We'll be back in a few minutes with the interview with John Smith. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye,
2: Stephanie. Bye. Bye. I am
0: Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm Gene Wilhelm, your host. you have to give me a second here while I put my lasso away? after that music. Uh, this Today I have with me is my guest John Smith, who is the Director of Development at St. Peter's Catholic Center adjacent to Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Hello, John. How are you today?
3: Hey, Gene. I'm great. I'm great. Good to, good to be on with you here
0: today. John, uh, tell me what a Development Director is. Some people hear that maybe and don't really know what what that means. And uh, so would you clarify that for us, please?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, essentially, you know, um, you look at the church, uh, or when you look at any nonprofit, uh, you're going to have someone or a a team of people who basically are the stewards of uh, resources that, that come to form the the ministry or the organization and help to uh, sustain and to grow uh, the mission. So that's what I do for the campus ministry at at, uh, at, at Baylor University Saint Peter Catholic Student Center. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a real joy. I will say uh, it's kind of in my career, and uh, it's a joy because you get to see the generosity of the community fully alive and, uh, and placed at the service of the church and, uh, and at other, uh, in other organizations where missions are, are really, uh, you know, a powerful agency for, for good in society. And so, yeah, that's, that's what we do.
0: And for those that—John uh, is not in the studio today. We have him on the phone from Waco, and he's generously given of his time to talk with us. John, you said that this isn't your first rodeo as far as being director of develop, of being in development. You give us a little bit about your background and how you got to St. Peter's.
3: Okay. So, well, essentially, you know, I, I have to begin uh, by uh, by recognizing that, uh, you know, when I started to think about uh, kind of working in, you know, and in a career— I got I got really interested in education, and I started to look more broadly uh, at the whole field of education. And I got into studies of non nonprofit management fundraising. That was at uh, Indiana University, um, the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy now um, in Indianapolis, and I got to look at a lot of the different. Um, dimensions of uh of what is the nonprofit sector uh so i looked at through coursework uh, economics philosophy uh management fundraising uh you know i mean you name it history was one of my favorites but it was at that point when i actually uh read the catechism and i became catholic so that was uh that was when i was starting to really look at how was i going to serve the church um, in a meaningful way. And I always felt that, uh, you know, we have to place as much as possible our professional skills at the service of the church in order so that we can build up a church that is formed, um, you know, authentically in society. Um, so it was around that time I started to, to sort sort of see the, uh, you know, the work of development uh, take shape i did a couple of internships uh one for a after-school program for girls another uh at a um a congregation of uh, uh basically a ecumenical organization in indianapolis um i worked at a camp for people with developmental disabilities that's when i as you say that's when i was the cheesehead and uh i have uh i i had a number of years in Wisconsin that, uh, I, I look fondly upon, uh, where I did development work. And, um, I even worked, uh, another, another stint at, uh, a large community. Um, so large, uh, if anyone out there is familiar, uh, Jean Vanier, um, he was a, a diplomat, uh, academic philosophy and, um, also just a Naval, a Naval officer. And he, he was, uh, you know, he was really moved in France to see the uh, the, the situation of uh, people with intellectual disabilities and how they were being treated, and so formed uh, their first large community in 1964 uh, in Tralee. Uh and it was a time where they could begin to see this large this arc. Of people with and without intellectual disabilities living together, in in a new community of belonging, and it, nope. uh, it was a beautiful thing. So that, I, you know, I've worked in a lot of, uh, you know, I would say, faith based and uh, and and truly ecclesial uh, environments where I've been able to serve uh, at proclaiming the gospel alongside uh, the charitable work of the organizations.
0: Yes. And so it, it's and, been a
3: really beautiful opportunity. How'd I get here? Well, <laughs> I know. So, uh, my wife's dad's in San Antonio. And so we were,
1: we were in Chicago
3: and, and looking at maybe, uh, living a little closer cause we'd lived a lot in the Midwest. Um, and so I, you know, I just, I spied this, this job, uh, at the Catholic center and, you know, Mm -hmm. we had a couple of calls and then they flew me down here. And I mean, it was, you know, honestly, um, I'll have to say, uh, if there is, gosh, if there's, if there are other campus ministries in the country like this, and I know that there are, I, I have to say, this is one of the finest. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I was given, understand that fairly quickly through prayer discernment that this would be a place where my gifts and talents experience could be kind of placed at the service of this of this uh, ministry and it's just been uh, it's just been truly blessed
0: now the uh, Jean varnet his his group uh, one of the places that some of our co- readers may be aware of uh, in a way but not Maybe don't understand, uh, haven't put the pieces together. Is Toronto where Henry Nowen spent the yeah. la- his last years, and a lot of what Henry That's Nowen right. wrote was written from uh, the the uh, uh, what is it? Daybreak isn't, isn't that what it's called? Uh, in, That's it. Daybreak yeah. in Toronto. So anybody who's familiar with with Henry Nowen on in his works, uh, you can understand where John is coming from and, and the wonderful work mm-hmm. that that he's been associated with in the past. Now j- now. Mm-hmm. John, before we get into St. Peter's itself, uh, sure. for, for those of us who aren't in the Waco area, or those of us that have uh, mm. lived in a vacuum for a lot of years, tell us about Baylor first.
3: <laughs> oh, well, this is good. I So the first thing I'll tell folks, um, Catholic and non-Catholic, is that Baylor uh, is really embracing the— call to their Christian identity in a, in, in a beautiful way. And we see that I, I'll tell people, you know, there are about 17,000 students there and, uh, about 17%, 2,700 are Catholic. So, you know, that is a, a sort of a, a shift in the demographic, um, from decades past. Uh, one of the things that happened is now, you know, 15, 20 years ago. uh, They were looking at, um, they were really looking carefully at the vision of the the university. Uh, And so this document, Pro Futuris, uh, Baylor 2012, came into being, and they they were looking uh, at at how they were going to uh, emerge in the new decades uh, as a you know, as a, a quality institution of learning um, that was grounded in the Christian faith. And so, you know, you have things like the Institute for Faith and Learning, which actually my wife was blessed to, to work with Dr. Darren Davis for a little while. and He's a vice president for mission, uh, for a university mission, and it's just a, a, a good friend uh, to our community. And, um, you know, it's places like that, the graduate schools that have Flourished and uh, and and new research uh, that really forms this this culture. I have to say also with the Baylor's Honors Residential College, you know, there's this culture of learning, culture of 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 truth seeking uh, that has cultivated a uh, a a group, you know, uh, a, a population of students who are dedicated to their Christian faith and to seeking the fullness of truth within it.
0: Now, the, the, so. the Honors College, is, <laughs> it, isn't the dean of that Dr. Tom Hibbs?
3: Is, right. So Dr. And, Hibbs— And he's a, he's a Catholic, and
0: he's going to be my guest sometime after the first of the year.
3: Outstanding, yeah. He's He's been uh, uh, quite constant, I think, in these—I uh, think he's probably 15—somewhere uh, around 15 years. He's been around for for a little while, um, and he's been a a constant uh, servant of of our our Catholic community, and and uh, just been terrific. And uh, again, bringing some of these uh, intellectual cultural uh, dimensions of our Catholic community to life uh, really powerful. Working with the Knights of Columbus, we have a strong. Student Knights Council um, working with other scholars uh, I will say so one of the things that formed um, uh, just in recent years is a uh, Confraternity of Mary which is a fellowship of Catholic faculty and staff at Baylor there's actually about 330 at Baylor now and I'm thinking there are going to be more if they can continue to uh, you know, uh, look at new faculty positions and so forth. But, uh, you know, we had our our second Baylor Catholic Connect. It was an event to gather faculty, Catholic faculty and staff with students so they could actually – Experience just how much support they have at the university, uh, in their Catholic faith, in their spiritual and academic life, and so that that was we just had that a uh, couple weeks back, and it was uh, just powerful. And, and then because you know, we're
0: because of the size of St. Peter's itself, that had to be t- take place somewhere else, did it not?
3: Correct, correct. So we had that uh, we had it at the business school last last year and then this year we had it at the fifth floor of of the Cashin building. Uh it was a beautiful space and it's it's window lined and shortly before beginning the Lord gave us uh the most lovely rainbow uh to kind of bless the event. It was it was truly truly uh Baylor lights as their campaign goes. We had the Baylor lights were Visible that day.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about the history of St. Or tell us a little bit about the history of St. Peter's (laughs) and how it's developed over the years, and then maybe a little bit about what it's like right now.
3: Yes, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, the the Catholic community goes back to the '50s. There's the Newman Club, and it kind of uh, grew. You know a little by little in the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s and i think in the 90s really started to really form a more cohesive community and then uh in 99 was built the saint peter catholic student center dedicated and in october so we're going to look forward to our 20th anniversary next year uh but you know We never, we were a mission uh, community uh, of St. Mary of the Assumption in in Waco here, and so we had a, we didn't have a full-time director until mid-2000s, I would say. Uh, So then Father Jim, and then Father Anthony, some folks may remember Father Anthony, uh, and then Father Daniel joined us in 2012, and he's been here. Uh, since then, and uh, so I've been able to kind of uh, experience what I think is a, a new period of growth. Um, I think in the 2000s, uh, mid to uh, uh, the 2000s, early 2010s, um, we were really finding a sense of our community and identity at Baylor in a new way because we had this permanent uh, pastor, priest, uh, director, uh, and then with Father Daniel, I can say because I experience his his uh, his fatherhood in our community so so uh, intimately. I feel like we're we're really uh, we we've we've in the recent years formed a sense of our culture and our identity and how we uh, live. I think, in the whole space of the Baylor community. And yep. uh, again, I, yeah, it's, it's beautiful because I think that there is a deeper integration that is welcomed by Baylor as well as uh, how we're open to, um, to really share our faith. And, and you see that at the Catholic Center with different events and activities as well as events on campus.
0: Now the Saint Peter's itself is not on the campus. As I recall, we were there a couple of years ago, where I think right. I first met you. Uh, it's it's yes. a, a block or two off of campus, and the, right behind it is the uh, fraternity house for the Christian fraternity on campus. Uh, mm-hmm. So what, okay. well, what, there's go ahead.
3: So I would I would point out a couple of things. So the um, actually there was a, a new residential uh building uh for students built here just finished last year um that has hundreds of of students there but then i think the stacy riddle forum is where we have our um baylor has the sororities um kind of all in one place and of the greek system at baylor I think about two thirds are, are sororities, about a third are fraternity. There's a lot less fraternities, but we, yeah, so we're catty corner to Stacy Riddle. Um, okay. so, you know, uh, we're right. And then, uh, the parking lot, uh, that they use, um, across the street is, um, Memorial hall, Honors uh, honors residential college, several other residential halls. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're literally, uh, yeah, uh, just, just just right off campus.
0: Now, to also St. Peter's, when when, when uh, my wife and I were there, uh, was in the middle uh-huh. of a renovation of the chapel itself. When it looked like you'd done a somebody right. had done an excellent job of renovating the chapel. Uh, like I say, it wasn't quite but finished I, at that time.
3: Yes, so I think it was uh, maybe started in in uh, this, in 14 ended in 15 uh we added uh, a lot more study space so if you come and you'll see (laughs) there's we have a lot of students who come and study who who spend time there and we wanted to create more space so that not only when we had scheduled activities mass of course and other activities but uh but we wanted to to make it more uh accessible so that students could could feel like uh, you know I can I can spend time there there are quiet spaces and we added some rooms uh some area upstairs uh actually which is where uh Dr. Janie Martin our music director who if you've been to St. Peter in the last you know you know handful of years you'll you'll hear what an outstanding music program uh, that we have. And again, thanks to Jania Martin and all the choirs that she helps to kind of form and and coach into the wonderful, beautiful uh elevation of the liturgy that we get to experience. Um, she has a, a choir uh rehearsal space upstairs. Um it's quite lovely. So um yeah, so that's that's another space that we have. Um, But yeah, we added quite a bit of space, um, uh, so yeah, we did that
0: just recently. Uh, For those listeners who are just joining us, I have John Smith with me today, who is the Director of Development for St. Peter's Catholic Student Center, uh, adjacent to uh, Baylor University. Now, one of the things that we observed while we were there is that there must be a lot of sharing of meals in the student center because it looked like there was – it smelled like somebody was cooking and and there was food mm-hmm. being put out for people to eat. Is, is that one of the ways that community is built there?
3: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, whenever you come – uh, for mass uh you, we have daily mass uh five thirty we have adoration um with confession uh, an hour before every mass and uh and then after mass there is commonly uh snacks or or dinner uh we have uh you know meetings we have nights councils we have r c i a we have all kinds of things i mean it's uh it's a beehive so um so yeah there's there's always food and then after you know after masses on sunday uh we actually have an extraordinary form that father daniel celebrates of the uh, sort of traditional latin mass that we we have usually on on saturday evenings at 5:30. we'll usually have a reception after that and we get a lot of families with children and it's a lovely time so um yeah, there's there's constantly food and fellowship on Wednesdays in fact. We have Mass at twelve fifteen and then we have a, a fellowship lunch which draws a lot of students. So and then students who study there know that <laughs> know that they're there are designated spaces in the <laughs> in, in the refrigerators where they're free to to take because they're always hungry and so. Oh, isn't that we the case? Be able to... and, and besides, when, yeah, oh, when yeah.
0: and when you're a student, free food is always better <laughs> than food you have to pay for. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Tell us a little bit about so, some yeah. of the uh, the uh, ministries that are going on there. You've got you, you were telling me that you have some focus missionaries.
3: Oh, so. Goodness. Uh, so then, you know, honestly, when I think about, so when I think about that question, so I immediately think of the vibrant sacramental life that Father Daniel has fostered and has been a source of, uh, renewal and growth and healing and love. Um, so again, we have adoration every day with confession, uh, mass. We have uh, prayers in the morning and in the evening uh, we have father Robert Beryl who's studying for his PhD in philosophy he's been an extraordinary uh, help in our community life giving us uh, again this this you know witness to uh, a Dominican uh, religious uh, consecrated life and then we have seven focused missionaries who form uh, countless Bible studies you know I mean there are hundreds of students engaged in that in that fellowship and uh, that are being formed to to live intentional discipleship and so what we see then is that you know the kind of community that has formed in these in these recent years is deeply. Uh, prayerful and has a sense of how their prayer life interior life uh flows out and over and into their friendships and their academic lives and there's an there's a beautiful integrity that uh i would say is being formed there and and so that's that's one of the you know that i would say is the, the sort of you know the the fruit of uh of of father daniel's uh, spiritual fatherhood um but then i mean we've got a huge strong uh, knight's council of students we have the legion of mary dedicated to mary and consecration we have the catholic daughters of the americas we have the uh the Baylor Catholic Student Association that works on campus, and in fact, in recent years, we've actually—this will surprise people—we've actually had adoration on campus wow. at one of the the residence halls in the chapels, um, which has been an extraordinary blessing. Then, to to bring Jesus literally to campus uh, in this powerful way of worship and 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 adoration. So, um yeah, there's there's all kinds of and that's what what that uh activity or event is called is is Laudate. And so Father Daniel formed uh evening Wednesday evenings around uh this is um uh contemporary uh approach of worship uh with adoration and uh folks, missionaries will play like a um, A light praise and worship, and then that's followed by fellowship and maybe a talk or guided discussion or something like that. So, you know, there are these there are these deep and meaningful ways in which the college students really connect in their faith. And and I have to say, um, while the staff at the Catholic Center work work real real hard, the student leaders who who are are really at the heart of these apostolate ministry uh at the Catholic Center are they're really some of the most remarkable young people I've met in my entire life. They're they're faith filled they're loving, they're generous, they're uh, just they're they're seeking holiness in, in their lives while doing uh Quality academic studies at Baylor. So, so what
0: what you it's, what it's, you're talking about there is you have students who are ministering to their peers, and amen. oftentimes that works much better than someone who is the amen. age of their father to minister to them. Exactly. Or mother.
3: And I think that if if anyone out there is hasn't really spent any time at a, at a campus ministry or at a Catholic center. Uh, you got to come check them out because they're honestly, they're the incubators of vocations. They're where these young people really start to dig into what it means for them to live an authentic Christian discipleship, living in the Catholic faith and, uh, praying deeply about, uh, you know, what, what is God calling me to? And, um, and so you see a lot of, you see a lot of, um, you know, growth, and you see you see the new church being formed, and it's a beautiful place. Um, yeah.
0: Now, if I—maybe uh, I'm, I'm a little off base here, but what I'm hearing you talk about is maybe three primary things that go on at St. Peter's. There's a the formation mm-hmm. of a community of believers who are together. There is mm-hmm. the—there's uh, Formation that's taking place through Father Daniel and through Focus and some of the other people that are ministering there, and then there mm-hmm. is the helping a student to form uh, what I would call integrity or an integrated Christian life mm. to, to, to yes. go throughout it's a basis for not only life on campus but something that the student can take uh, with his, with that, that student can take with them uh, when they leave Baylor.
3: Good. Yes. I do, and that's, that's true. All three of those uh, sort of movements, principles within the campus ministry, it's one of the things that I've been, again, I've, I've worked in a lot of different places and, and in parish life and community life, and, and, and I've been at the service of, of lots of things. But, um, but the beauty of a vibrant campus ministry is that all of those things, are interdependent and there's a one there's not one sort of dominant but it becomes it becomes a beautiful uh experience of life together and i mean you're you're talking about Jean vanier here <laughs> he's one of my favorites but um that work he does uh called community and and growth um that that's one of my favorite books but he you know he really understands uh vanier now and they understand how uh, living uh, an authentic community life requires us to be vulnerable with one another and to enter into these deeper um, dependencies that we have on one another. I, I can't be a Christian by myself. I mean, that's, that's the reality that we have to learn. And so when we live more truly with and you know, for and through one another, then Christ is alive in and, that community. And living
0: so that, we see that. And living that authentic, living that authentic Christian life does not mean that you you live in a commune or a monastery or something like that. It has a much broader meaning. Meaning oh, that yeah. applies to uh, the life of uh, the ordinary Catholic.
3: Amen. Well, and I love it, Gene, because today we celebrate the the 90th anniversary of the founding of Opus Dei so this work of God that Saint Jose Maria Escrivá had had been given to to form um, in his poverty just to to see it come into being which was a universal call to sanctity to holiness and not something exclusive to the monastery or or to the priesthood uh but, but rather to to all Christian faithful, and that in order to find that holiness, we simply, <laughs> and I love it, it. We simply have to live ordinary lives, and it's in that. intent like Saint Therese we had yesterday, you know, she says it's not it's not the extraordinary that we're doing, but it's 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 the love with which we do the ordinary, and in that god he he's he's revealed among us and yeah so so yeah it is beautiful it's beautiful though i will say to see we've had we had two we had three or yeah three new vocations just in the last graduating class wow uh young man who is in uh louisiana he's 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 working with this uh it's Community of Christ crucified. They take old ambulances and make them into to traveling confessionals. Uh, that's well, how appropriate, right? Have, right. <laughs> we have a uh, Gabe that's up uh, in Oklahoma at, at Clear Creek Monastery, um, and uh, and then uh, shoot, I, I love so. Julie Brown um, was so dedicated to discipleship uh, at 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 baylor and joined the Sisters of mary mother of the eucharist uh we know them from down in georgetown but they're she's at their mother house up in in michigan and you know everybody's called to a different state i'm married and i have a married state uh some religious some priests and but there's this um i think the cut, the the sort of golden thread through all of these vocations, because um, we have had a number of married vocations, uh, is that they're they're living their authentic Christian discipleship in holiness and truth, and they're so uh, they're, <laughs> they're There's a certain there's a simplicity and a love for liturgy and a love for uh, the the tradition the tradition. And, and, and that's that, that, that's,
0: when, that's about the tradition, both with the cap T and the tradition with the small T, correct?
3: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm thinking the big T. I mean, the 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 richness. See, I'm a convert, so I didn't know about a tradition up until 2005, and when I when I sort of tapped into the tradition, which is, I will say, this is the thing that's happening at Baylor, is that. Uh, non-Catholics, and so our RCIA program is growing, but non-Catholics are tapping into the tradition by discovering the roots of Christianity and the the early church fathers and the culture and the arts and they're finding this this beautiful harmony of our beliefs that has you know (laughs) two millennia of of, of just, uh, of, of richness. And it's, it's something that, again, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see young people embrace that historical tradition with all of its richness and to say, okay, well, I'm living in 2018, but, you know, in the 1700s, what can I learn from how they were living the tradition or the 1400s or the 800s or the 200s, you know, St. Irenaeus, like how can we fully embrace our uh, truth in the Catholic faith uh, without historically being formed within that tradition? And we can't. And so it's a beautiful thing. It's been a, again, a gift I think in our, uh, in our campus ministry, to see uh, this this, di- this true dialogue between Catholic and non-Catholic, and to see this exchange of of um, you know uh, of experiences uh, that draw from the history of the Christian Christian life.
0: John, we we're, we're quickly running out of time. I want to make sure, sure that people who have listened to this and find that what's going on at St. Peter's is very exciting and very vital to the Church, how could they be involved, say, even if they're, say, in C- Bryan College Station or oh, in yeah. Palestine, where we have a station, or somebody out in the boonies, or somebody that's listening to the podcast uh, from our website? How can somebody be involved in the ministry of St. Peter's, even if they're not in Waco?
3: Absolutely. So... Uh Spiritual friendship is a beautiful thing. Uh, spiritual friendship is the, uh, the reality that we share in our mission together um, through prayer, talents, uh, financial contributions. And uh, so I think first off, you know, if you know anyone at Baylor, you know, pray for them. Pray for us. Pray for the campus ministry. Pray that it might be a light within the whole of the Baylor uh Catholic, the Baylor community and um i think that's first uh second you know again you can go on our website and see more if you're in the area then kind of come see you know um come to mass come talk to students find out if there's an area in which your gifts or talents would be you know useful in this ministry Um, talk to Father Daniel. Um, And uh, we're always kind of welcoming new adult uh, lay leaders uh, in in various ways, Um, volunteers, of course. But uh, I think most of all, you know, people who aren't able to come to the center, um, but alongside their prayers to give financially, uh, because we are a growing Catholic campus ministry, and we're... Yes.
0: John, if somebody wants to contribute to what's going on at St. Saint, Saint Peter's financially, would they contact you, mm-hmm. or how would they go about they could doing
3: contact, that? They could contact me. Uh, I, you can email me at johnsmith at baylorcatholic.org. Uh, we can set up a, a time to, to have coffee or, or visit at some point and or uh, you can go online. It's very easy. Go to BaylorCatholic.org and there's a little give button drop down. We're actually doing uh, after this last weekend. We're extending through this week uh, an opportunity to double the impact of, uh, of gifts. So we have a, a group of donors who have uh, challenged our our uh community to give and so we're they're matching up to a $50,000 um by Saturday October 7th. Okay. so You know, if people want to give online or they can write a check and mail that to um we're 1415 South 9th Street in Waco 76706. Yeah. So but really most of all again um that prayer and if you want to talk to me uh there's there's all sorts of different ways that that people can engage, but we're all really there at the service of our of our of our students so um you know it it just always depends on on what someone's gifts are um, and then kind of discerning how those gifts would best be applied within our because we're not a we're not a parish i want to yeah. Be clear about that, um, I'd say 85% of our community is is students, is young
0: people. Okay. Now, John, yeah. w- just in about 25 words or less, just a summary sure. of what you think St. Peter's is, and then we're going to have to go. Sure. Uh, or the uh, last f- thing about St. Peter's.
3: Sure. Uh, I would say the St. Peter Catholic Student Center is that place that you want to know exists in light of uh, the things that we see in the church today. It's a place where we find hope, we find healing, we find life, we find prayer, we find interior lives that are are truly rooted in our Catholic faith, uh, and so... Again, it's, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to know that these places are forming the next generation of Catholics who are going to serve the church in myriad ways.
0: John, thank you so much for being my guest today. Uh, my guest has been John Smith, Director of Development for St. Peter's Catholic Student Center in Waco, Te- Texas, adjacent to Va- Baylor University. And remember, whenever you're choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up.